This episode of our podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage for your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit their website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Keep your voice down. You want to close the door and keep the cat out? No. No? Oh, it's going to be a real interesting evening, that's for sure. All right, folks, welcome to the Tesla Owners Podcast for June 25th. I really got to get in the habit of putting the dates in there. I get so many people telling me, you should put the date in there. So, well, there you go. All right, uh, joining me as usual is Mr. Ian Pavelko and Eric Camacho. How are you guys doing? Most well-known. Hello, world. Hello, world. Love that one. Um, well, unless you've been living under a rock, uh, Tesla did their Q2 earnings call yesterday. And, uh, well, the good news and the bad news. So the good news is that they're not out of business. They are not bankrupt. Um, I'm going to read you some stuff from the PDF, and we'll have a short discussion on this. We are not financial people at all, but we're going to do our best here to try and cover some of the important stuff. So Tesla reported in their uh, in their shareholder letter uh, that cash and cash equivalents of $5 billion, that's the highest that's ever been with Tesla. Um, gap operating loss of 167 millions, gap uh, net loss of 408 millions, including 177 million of restructuring and other charges. Auto gross margin is at about 19% in spite of reductions in vehicle average selling price and lower regulatory revenue. And they're still on track to launch the Gigafactory uh, Shanghai by the end of 2019 and Model Y uh, production to start in the fall of 2020. So just a little bit more stuff here. As a result of this growth and operating improvements, we ended the quarter with $5 billion in cash and cash equivalents. The highest level of Tesla's history, this level of liquidity puts us in a comfortable position as we prepare to launch Model 3 production in China and Model Y production in the U.S. We're making progress on our next major update, Enhanced Summon which is currently in our early access program. Uh, first rule of early access program. We don't talk about early access program. <laughs> All right. Uh, they say they're making progress towards stop lights, uh, stop signs and traffic lights. This feature is currently operating in shadow mode. We've heard this before. Tesla sometimes sends out the software updates and they, uh, they use it for, well, they say here, which compares our software algorithm to real world driver behavior across tens of millions of instances around the world. They use uh, the differences between that to be able to train their AI. So that's good. Uh, we should be seeing that uh, early access program. Yeah, we'll see. Probably another, uh, well, they did say, what was it, about August, mid, mid-August for that, if all goes well. So just keep that in mind again. It is Tesla time, so you never know what's going to happen with that. So anyways, they go on to say that uh, during the quarter, a majority of orders continue to be for long-range battery option, and the Model 3 average selling price was stable at approximately $50,000. Um, I have a feeling the mix might change now that the P3Ds come down in price. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see what's going on with that. Let me make sure that my camera's on the right thing. Okay, very good. Okay, um, now they went on to talk about the uh, Gigafactory in Shanghai. Um, the Gigafactory in Shanghai will be a simplified, uh, more cost-effective version of our Model 3 with approximately a capacity of 150,000 units per year, the second generation of the Model 3 uh, production process. Now, in the shareholder letter, they gave us a picture and these are the first pictures, official pictures, and, and they're grainy, and I apologize here because they didn't give us, it was, it was embedded in a PDF. So anyways, so there is a um, picture of some large stamping presses on the left-hand side and some uh, robots on the right in the bottom and on the left. So can't really make out too many details of what's going on, but it certainly shows that they're making incredible progress on the interior of the factory to get it uh, ready for production. So 
needless to say, we haven't, I mean, we're not going to see too much more progress on this thing because largely the shell is built. Uh, so now all of the effort is really based on the inside. Okay, speaking of which, let's move on here. Model Y. They say preparations for Model Y production in Fremont uh, began in Q2, so it was largely last month. We heard about that. Uh, due to a significant overlap in components between Model 3 and Model Y, we knew that. They share about three-quarters of the parts, uh, supposedly. Uh, they were able to leverage existing manufacturing designs in the development of Model Y production facilities. Due to the large market of uh, size of SUVs as well as higher average selling prices, we believe Model Y will be more profitable product than the Model 3. Duh, it doesn't take a <laughs> I mean, North American market, right? We want our SUVs. Um, then they went on to talk a little bit about uh, infrastructure. As our fleet continues to grow, our service and supercharger capacity continues to expand. In Q2, we added 101 vehicles to our mobile service fleet and opened 25 new store and service locations, which is unusual because, you know, last time they said that they were going to cut back. Anyways, it's Tesla. They change their minds like people change their underwear. Um, let me see here. A supercharger capacity has grown to roughly 1,600 charging locations worldwide. Now, that's locations. It's not actual stalls. Uh, we expect the average charging session at our powerful V3 superchargers will drop to about 15 minutes, which will effectively double the uh, overall throughput rate, uh, rate per stall, pardon me, uh, compared to our V2 superchargers, easily keeping pace with our fleet growth. So those are the salient points. Um, I think there's some little bit of stuff we can dive in here. One of the things that caught my eye, even though they didn't post a a net profit in this case. Um, they're still spending money, but if, again, we've said it before, if they stop spending money on growth, they would be immediately profitable. But mm. there is a little something, and they alluded to it in the um, in the conference call. Let's see here. It's on page seven, liabilities and equity. Deferred revenue, $883 million, up from the end of Q4 2018, which was $630 million. Now, Elon did say in the call, that they are deferring revenue for FSD. Uh, so uh, if they were to release that and actually recognize that revenue, I think the numbers would be uh, significantly different. Now, my opinion here is how much of that revenue is based on the current version of FSD that they're selling as opposed to when they started offering it back in 2016 when the new computer, not the current computer, but the previous 2.0 actually went into production. So... Um, yeah, I think that's an important number to keep in mind that they are deferring some of this revenue for later on. Um, some people are surmising, and I saw it on Twitter today, that they may... Uh, look, opinions are, 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 are different on this. Does Enhanced Summon, which is one of the major features of FSD, um, supposedly for those who bought it after the changeover, um, th does that count as true FSD? Like, is that when they're going to start recognizing the revenue? Um, any opinions on this? Do you guys think that that's actually the, f the first part of that? Like to me, Enhanced Summon is more, like this is my opinion here, I'll just say it very quickly here. It's more of a, it's a pony trick. It's not, it's not like using Navigate on Autopilot in the city. To me, once that comes along, that's the first inclinations of, of FSD. That's my personal opinion. What do you guys think? Ian, go ahead. Yeah. Um... Kinda? It's, you're right. I mean, because, you know, it's it's not even a true FSD trick. It's an EAP, you know. Um, I, I think it's I important would... to remember, for, for those of you who, who, who might be new to the podcast or might be new to the show, might be new to Tesla, on uh, March 1st of this year, Tesla had completely rejiggered their autopilot program. So there used to be Enhanced Autopilot and then FSD. 
and then they've switched it. Now all the cars have autopilot, and then now you have to pay extra for FSD. You always had to pay extra for FSD, but the features were completely jumbled. They were always the other way around. So enhanced, enhanced summon was always part of enhanced autopilot before the changeover, and now to get that, you have to pay the extra for FSD. So anyways, continue on, Ian. Sorry, I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, so to me, I mean, this is my logic. I don't know if it applies, but the way I see it is anything that's up to the maximum that EAP can do uh, isn't truly an FSD feature. I mean, yes, F FSD includes those features as well, but the minute it starts going beyond anything that EAP will ever be able to do, then I think we've got some true FSD features. That's how I see it. Like, you know, this ability to recognize stop signs and start doing things like that, uh, you're not going to get with EAP. So that's sort of the demarcation zone for me. I, I would, know, I would but, agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, Eric, how do you, how do you see it? I sort of see the same thing, uh, although I'd venture to guess that because people like myself are grandfathered in with EAP as we've come to know it, uh, I would stand to reason that Enhanced Summon would fall into that category. So monetizing it, I'm not sure if it's going to be across the board or how their calculations are going to be set. Um, but, I, but I think we've, we've seen so far with Navigate on Autopilot or NOA, uh, that some of those early releases were indicative of, oh, this is now the early stages of FSD, uh, especially when the, you had the on-ramp, off-ramp navigation component to it. Uh, Enhanced Summon, I think, is probably the next phase of the uh, of the process. But beyond that, it's hard to know. I, I mean, I would think that um, even now with the shadow mode discussion, which we'll kind of dive into a little bit further into the podcast, you know, those sort of things when, when the cars can navigate city streets as well as to do highways with stop signs and traffic lights, that also, I think, is going to be a big step forward. I think until full self-driving is, in fact, fully capably installed, I think, and um, you know, once, once they kind of pass the regulatory approval process part of it, um, I think really then that's where we're going to see these numbers take off. For now, we're seeing bits and pieces, whether or not that's going to allow them to you know, release the full figures, we'll wait and see. I, I think I think they're being smartly conservative here. Again, we're not professional yeah. analysts, um, but I think they're being smartly conservative, which will, and look, they, they've, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of opine this, but uh, if you think about where they were in Q2 2018, that was make or break for them. I mean, their, their expectations for Model 3 fell short. In fact, their goals for weekly production for Model 3 in Q1 weren't even hit in Q2. Um, so, or at least maybe not till late in Q2. So, so where they were a year ago to where they are today, they're in a very strong position. Uh, you know, the Tesla bears are sort of, uh, eating their just desserts, uh, if you will. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think this report, even though some figures might be shy of where we'd like them to be, they're doing very well. They're prospering. They're, they're, they're in a strong position. And I think, uh, as, as time moves forward, the, these next six months of the year, uh, especially now in Q3 with with still strong reports coming out so far in July. I think they're in really good positions. If they can pull it off, and they did say later on in the Q&A session with Elon, he mentioned that uh, going into next year, the second half of next year would be, the numbers are going to look significantly different. Yeah. Like once things really get going and stuff, um, that uh, they will be immensely profitable. So looking and forward not, to and, that. And, and really quick before you move on, uh, we mentioned this before the show, but their capital, expend or capital expenditures, or what we call CapEx uh, in stock terms, is actually lower than projected for Model Y. So in other words, they're they're not spending an exorbitant amount of money 
uh, and Model Y uh, phasing so far, uh, which is a really strong performance indicator of how they're going to do heading into 2020. Excellent. Well, that's a good segue because now we're going to talk about Model Y because there are some um, important bits of information that uh, have just come out this week. Well, actually, one one piece of information that they did say, again, just to reiterate for some of you who are thinking about like where are they going to build the Model Y, the original plan was to go with the Gigafactory. They did reiterate in the financial call or the earnings call that uh, they were able to move some of the warehousing for SNX part storage kind of either in different facilities or offsite. So that frees up an immense amount of space for them to be able to do the Model 3 or the Model Y production in Fremont. So I just want to make sure people understand that that's where that's coming from. But having said that, there were two patents that Tesla was granted this week, which um, are really geared for Model Y. Now, I think some of this stuff may eventually make it to other cars, but if you remember... I think it was uh, as much as last year, perhaps the year before, when they started talking about Model Y, Elon had said during the call that they uh, were hoping to be able to build robots to be able to do more things, more automation on the cars. Of course, that never really materialized to the extent that they wanted to do on the Model 3. Uh, Witness our very first podcast (laughs) titled Flufferbot, where they had to take Flufferbot out of the mix. But now they finally have uh, been granted a a patent for specifically for the Model Y. And uh, this article comes courtesy of our friends at Inside EVs. The Model Y is going to get a revolutionary wiring system. Now, Elon had said many times before that they wanted to reduce the wiring in their cars. Now, Model 3 has about one and a half kilometers of wiring. Model S and X is somewhere in the vicinity of three kilometers. They want to get this down to about 100 meters. Now, I'm not going to sit here and read you the whole patent, but there are some important bits in here that that have come from this. Uh, And I'll put up a screen snapshot here. Um... This one, this picture here, and I I apologize if you're listening to the uh, audio podcast, you may have to hop on YouTube to watch this to see exactly what I'm talking about. But one of the diagrams shows um, a way of interfacing two separate um, cable mechanisms in such a way that they have a self-centering connector, much like a Molex connector. But this is is set up in such a way that robots could actually um, click these together without having to be 100% precise. Wiring harnesses in cars, if you've ever worked on them, are notoriously bad. Um, they're a pain in the ass is what they are. They're a pain in the butt, exactly. And they're, and they're designed really for, for people because that's what people do. Um, so in this case with, uh, with this new patent system is that they develop the connectors in such a way that they're self-centering. Um, so when the robots put the pieces together, they don't have to be exactly precise. They can be pretty close and they have... Um, Almost like a like an Apollo capture mechanism. You know, when the spacecrafts come together, they've got a drogue, and then they've uh, Ooh, and probe and drogue. Oh yes, yeah. probe and drogue. Well, you know, we're all space nuts, right? So, yeah. anyways, it's largely the same thing. I'll put a link again into the video in the podcast description. You guys can look at these patents and stuff. But I think it really goes to show that Tesla is really moving forward. The other thing that 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 interests me as part of this, of course, when you're reducing a wiring system down to say a hundred meters. Um, I think what this is portenting, if that's the word I'm looking for, is what Tesla seems to be doing here is that they're reducing the amount of wires in the car. So what that leads me to believe is that they're using some kind of new communication system. Call it Ethernet, if you will. I don't know 100%. But it seems that they're moving more of the body modules where you could put the endpoints, meaning... the parts that actually do the decoding from the digital signal. I'm, I'm assuming here this is going to be a digital system here at this point, where they put those body modules, let's say in the tail lights or the doors or whatever the case may be, even though cars have that, but they're still analog, largely analog. 
Um, in this case, what they could be doing is they could significantly reduce the amount of wires and then put them on flat tracks. And that's what this is showing here, that the wires are, are more laid out in a flat track. Um, anyways, Ian, you're in the automotive business. I mean, you've been working on cars for just as long as just about anybody I know. Uh, what are your thoughts about this? Have you taken a look at it? Yeah, my mind was blown. It looks definitely much more like something you'd expect to see in a computer system, in a spacecraft. I don't know what, but it looks nothing like any wiring system I've ever seen in a car. And obviously, the communication system is going to be key. That's exactly it. Because the whole point with, you know, we went from having millions of wires in, in completely analog system cars where literally every single bulb, uh, actuator, whatever, had to have its own little mm -hmm. dedicated wire to being able to use multiple um, or having the same wire for multiple um, devices, which is commonly referred to as a CAN bus system, where basically there's like a coded address for each one of the devices, and the ECU will send out this coded address, and you know that'll determine whether or not when you hit your door switch, it opens the you know sunroof or the window or whatever. So that's the early version of it where we, we saw some reduction. This is like an order of magnitude reduction from that. So I'm going to be fascinated to see the details of it. But even the shape of the connectors, the shape of the wiring uh, is, is laid out. Like they're going for these, you know, sort of rectangular shaped wires to improve the conductivity, to improve the, the, the efficiency of the conductor. So like absolutely everything has been optimized in it. It's, it's like, as you said, Trev, I, I think it's worth looking at the YouTube to see the diagram. We're just looking it up through the link to see what it looks like. Yeah, I'm just pulling up some of the diagrams here. You guys can't see them, but uh, viewers can. Yeah, this is yeah. really interesting. What um what I was going to say was um so doing the math here, you're looking at around ninety three ish percent reduction in wiring from the Model yeah. Three to to the Model Y. Um, but the other thing too that's interesting about this is really the the amount of savings this is. Oh yeah, for Tesla cost so, for sure. So. In terms of, and again, we're, we're talking numbers here like we did in the first segment, but we're looking at basically scale economy when it comes to something like this. So with every every manufacturer, every uh, you know company, even like airlines, when they think about, like this was a big story, with, I think it was with Delta Airlines, when they got rid of, I want to say it was olives in their salad, uh, that saved them like hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in expenditures. So imagine fuel, you're taking... Right. So imagine you're taking 93% of your wiring out of the car. So now you're spending less money on your wiring. You're actually reducing the weight of the vehicle, which helps the performance of the vehicle on its own. Uh, you're saving billions of dollars in scale economy. And on that alone, it's like, hey, look how much more money we now have um, in our kitty, uh, you know, to be able to use for other things. So that's, that's a really big, innovative idea. And if Tesla can find a way to pull it off, I guarantee you manufacturers in every market we can think of from the tech sector, automotive, whatever it is, are going to look at this and go, why did we not think of this before? Yes. Um, but it's, 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 through my mind. Yeah. yeah. You do have yeah. to remember the automotive industry is very much set in their ways. There's not a lot of, I mean, there's a little bit of movement and stuff, oh. but there's nothing really revolutionary. Right. Um, in this case, I think Model Y, and in addition to the next part we're going to talk about, which is the next patent they were granted, is truly going to be a, a revolution in vehicles in oh, terms yeah. of model manufacturing, but also the wiring system. Elon had did had had also said too, and that wasn't mentioned in the call, but I do remember a couple of years ago when they were talking about this, that one of the things they wanted to do was. Um, Upgrade the, the voltage in the car. So, you know, most cars run on, well, all cars today run on a 12-volt system. 
Um, I think the number mentioned they wanted to double it, go to 48 volts. Quadruple. Uh, no, that's a quadruple. Sorry, yes, uh, to a 48 volt system. Um, I think Elon was saying something like, "Well, why? Are, why do we have to do that? It limits us too much." So mm-hmm. um, we'll see whether that actually comes to fruition and what kind of advantages that gives us. Well, but, uh, that was mentioned. Trev, just to um, if you go back and read the article, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought part of this system was they were going to try and eliminate the 12 volt system completely. Everything is going to run directly off the high voltage battery. That's I believe um, what I read. Uh, We'd have to go back and look. I'd have to read it a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just but it, it, that struck me. But anyway, to to be verified, but um, to be that's, verified, that's yeah. what I saw. That makes sense. But that's anyways. It. I want to mention one more thing because Eric brought on a very good point about the cost, the reduction in this, and uh, this keys into something that I don't know if you guys caught it, but during the earnings call, they mentioned they think they can get the cost of the Model Y to parity with the Model Three. Which is amazing. Uh, I mean, they were talking what about you know like a ten or fifteen percent difference in in the pricing of the vehicle. If they can get the cost to be the same, there's a huge margin gain for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll make it extremely attractive. Yep. Yeah. So all of you who are uh, thinking about placing an order for a Model Y, um, given of course with the price reductions that Tesla's done recently, um, just give them your deposit, but don't worry about the price because things will change by the time they get around to production. All right, so the next patent we want to talk about that was granted, and this one article comes from uh, Clean Technica, our good friends at Clean Technica. Well, Tesla has uh, been uh, granted an application uh, for patent for a die-cast unibody machine. Now, this is something that was discovered, or we found out, when Ryan McCaffrey did his podcast with Elon recently on uh, on episode 200 of his Ride the Lightning podcast. And you're dead to me if you don't listen to his podcast in addition to ours. <laughs> Anyways, um, Elon had said that they wanted to be able to take the car down from 70 panels. Now, I'm reading into this as, as the subframe of the car. It should be mentioned that um, all Teslas have a certain amount of castings, largely around suspension parts, um, arches. Uh, you know, if you if you look underneath the car, uh, there are a certain amount of, of, uh, of castings on those cars. So it's not unusual for Tesla to do this. But what they're doing in this case is that they're going to, and I'm going to say this at this point, I think what they're leaning towards, and he did mention on the podcast, that they were looking at going from 70 parts down to one, which is largely a, a pan or the, 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 the bottom part of the body that will comprise the rails and most of the suspension attachment parts and stuff as being a cast piece. Um, I'm not saying that this car is going to turn into Hot Wheels where the whole thing is cast. That I don't think that lends itself too well because you still have to have smooth body panels on the exterior and you can't do castings that are really smooth. Not without spending huge amounts of labor, of course, which of course is counterproductive to getting the cost down on the car. Um, let me just bring up one of the pictures here that they laid out. Now, if you can make sense of this thing, I don't know. <laughs> it um, It's going to be a big, big machine. Now, if anybody's ever been in a factory that's looked at... Um, um, plastic ABS injection type molding machines. You know how big these things can get. Uh, This thing is on another level entirely. Um, I don't know how many of these things they plan of actually installing at the factory, but um, I I would suspect probably more than one. Anyways, it's a really, really interesting. And now, Ian, you wanted to talk about this. Uh, I can't make heads or sense of this thing. 
Well, yeah, the one thing is when you look at the schematic, it immediately brings to mind, you know, Elon's description last year of the alien dreadnought, right? It's just this giant Borg-like device with like, you know, runners for, for casting, you know, entries and exits and all sorts of stuff. But what fascinated me about it is the fact that they're going to use it for the for the chassis and to some degree the, the entire unibody structure of the car. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, that's always been done with stamped metals and stamped metals uh, or hydroform now in a lot of cases, which yes. is just a fancier way to, to sort of shape the metal under pressure, uh, have very specific mechanical strength properties. And a casting is quite different. Castings tend to be very brittle. I mean, uh, what's nice about a stamped piece is it has a, a certain amount. Of, it can be very, very strong. And depending on how you well, corrugate it is a crude word. But you know the way you fold it sort of origami? Like you can make it strong in certain directions, but still very thin and flexible in others. So you can right. really, you know, uh, adjust the dynamics of the part to suit, you know, the section of the chassis that you're working with. You know, especially when you they weld them together into these box sections, you know, they become very strong and very light. A casting is a whole other animal. So obviously they know what they're doing. Uh, I do not. I'm just sitting back here armchairing this thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm having a hard time figuring out how you could do an entire unibody structure, like the skeleton of the car, completely as a casting. Now, maybe... Uh, this is in its infancy, and they're going to start with, if I remember exactly how Elon um, explained it on uh, Ryan's show, he was talking about the rear section, the rear chassis section, the rear subfane section of Model Y. So maybe they're going to start out small with, you know, what would be essentially all of the components, you know, that the suspension anchors to, so the whole rear half of the, the chassis, and then work their way out from there. But there's, there's clearly illustrations, if you look at all of the different possibilities described in the patent, where they could do pretty much the whole unibody structure of the car, everything except for the exterior skin. So, um, yeah, I'm dying to see how it works in, in practice. The only thing that's a little bit fearful um, is uh, what a few of the articles have mentioned is what happens to crash repair. Exactly. Because Typically, uh, when you have these sub-assemblies, you know, that are many, many parts that, that are welded or bonded or glued, whatever, bolted together, when it comes to an accident where a whole section has been crushed in, you can just uh, cut it or, you know, weld on or bond on a new part. If it's a casting, woo, that really limits the possibilities. Now, again, some people have said, well, this is Tesla. They're not dumb. They're going to figure out some way to section it, perhaps, where you can cut yes. away and bolt on or bond a new a new part, but this is stuff I'm dying to see. I um, I really want to know how this works because on paper it's like, ooh, this is bizarro. Yeah, well, I think it just like I said before, it, it just kind of falls into Model Y being a very revolutionary car from a manufacturing aspect and some of the things that it's going to do. I mean, the car is going to look normal from the outside, but this kind of falls into line with what they want to do. Again, it, it falls into you know capital expenditures when you have a machine like this that makes the parts. Um, you don't need as many robots now at this point. They can be repurposed for something else, right? Um, yep. So that kind of also leads me to believe, like, how much of this car, huh, um, given that this new manufacturing is actually going to be producible on the existing three line? Or is it just the finishing? Like, you do the separate body in white, much like they do for S and X, and then final assembly or general assembly, as they call it. Uh, will be the interior stuff and, and so on and so forth. So Can I, uh, can I be the voice of reason here for just please one do. second? Um, just because a patent has been filed doesn't mean it's actually going to end up being used. True. So it's entirely possible this whole entire thing is just a pipe dream and uh, it never makes it into their factory. Because, um, you know, the questions we're being asked today, like if, we're, if, we were, if any one of us was a mechanical engineer, we'd, we'd kind of know what's going on. Uh, and last I checked, we're not. So <laughs> I, 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 I would... TV. 
Right, exactly. Uh, and even the then, Holiday Inn Express. Even then, it will. Even then, that's not really going to help you. So, <laughs> the the I would say let's let's take a breather here on that one just for just a moment uh, because uh, there are many men working for Tesla smarter than the three of us combined uh, that sort of know this stuff. They obviously wouldn't be filing this patent if they didn't have an idea that it could work. Uh, but in practical measures, this might not be a thing that comes to fruition. So if it doesn't, that's okay, because there's thousands of patents filed all the time that never become reality. So that's all I wanted to add. If they were to do this machine, um, keep in the back of the mind, there's going to be a lot of teething issues. Um, so that could also end up with some delays. So just keep that in mind. This is not Tesla's first rodeo. <laughs> Uh, delays are kind of part of the program for most of these new programs. So, you know, anytime they try to do something different, there's a lot of teething issues. Now, the rest and, of and the car, I mean, could be ramped up fairly quickly because, I mean, if you're sharing 75... My camera went crazy there. Um, if, the can, if, if the rest of the car is sharing 75% of the parts, well, that's stuff you don't really have to worry about. So, Yeah, if they can get it to work, that's great um, because it's going to save time, money, energy, the whole thing. Uh, but die casting also makes components like metal a little bit more brittle yeah it's brittle. so there, there's a lot, there's a lot of questions at play here uh i'm sure they've tried to they've already figured this stuff out uh in small in small ways but uh it'll be interesting to see how this develops over the coming year can't wait to somebody doing a body wrap on a model y that says hot wheels on the side right <laughs> <laughs> look at the s car go hey look at that s car go all right our next article uh comes uh courtesy of our friends at tesla roddy it appears, and this is not confirmed yet, but Tesla is looking to build some lithium battery raw material factory in Indonesia. Uh, this was uh, recent comments by Maritime uh, Affairs Coordinating Minister Luhut Binsar Pajaitan. I hope I said that properly. I apologize if I didn't. Uh, who named uh, Tesla as one of the companies that are reportedly looking into building battery facilities in the region. Speaking at the Presidential Palace in Jakarta on Tuesday, uh, Pajaitan mentioned that the contemporary app, um, Amprex Technology and LG would also be operating their own facilities in the uh, Morawali area. Um, this does not surprise me. Uh, Tesla is a secretive company, but they did kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit at the shareholders meeting that they wanted to be. What's the word they use? I'm going to use masters of their own domain for lack of a better word. Kings of the and castle. Those of you who are Seinfeld fans will get that reference. Anyways, um, no, I think masters of their destiny is what they actually use. But anyways, that, this is more funny. Anyways, um, it, again, it, it falls into what they wanted to, um, you know, have control over their, their ultimate destiny. And that really ties into them building their own battery cells independent of Panasonic. So by building their own uh, processing, which is lithium carbonate and so on and so forth, uh, really gets their cost down and gets their supply chain. So we will find out more about this as time goes on because Elon did say also at the, at the earnings call that the battery investor day, if that's the word they want to use, uh, looks like it will probably happen around March of 2020. It's going to be a big show and tell. They're talking. They're going to be talking about cell, cell chemistry, module construction, battery packs, uh, a whole bunch of new stuff. So um, that one I'm really looking forward to seeing what they uh, what they pull out of their hats. Any thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, nothing for was, me. No. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, and we do have to mention this, and I almost forgot. Our good friend JB Straubel, who's been with Tesla right from the beginning, he's the I'm battery so technology depressed. guy. 
is uh, is actually is not leaving the company. He's changing his role. He was the CTO, uh, Chief Technology Officer. He is now becoming a senior advisor. So he's not necessarily leaving the company, but he's diminishing his role at the company. Um, the baton is being handed off to uh, Drew Baglino. Now, Drew was on stage at the shareholders meeting. So that was kind of a neat little segue. If you go back and look at it, it was pretty obvious what they were doing. They were trying to get the right people in line so people understood what's going on. So we want to wish JB the best. Uh, he's a great guy. He's very quiet. He's always been the guy in the background. He's an absolute genius. So, um, And even Drew's been with Tesla right from the beginning. He's been there since 2003. So um, I think it bodes well. I mean, I don't know if that's affected the stock so much, but um, and of course, you know, the shorts are going to make a big noise about, oh, another executive's leaving Tesla. <laughs> oh, gosh. Whatever. Anyways. But I wonder exactly where he's going because it didn't it wasn't clear in the conversation like what his next move is. He's staying on, you know, as an advisor, but uh, is he kind of going into semi-retirement? Has he got something else on the boil? I'm I'm very intrigued by this. Spend more time with his family. We've heard that one before. Look, Who knows? I, yeah. I don't. I don't want. I, I do not understand on a on a philosophical level why this actually even effing matters. Um, of course, Johnny Ive leaves Apple, and it's a news story for five minutes. JB Strobel leaves Tesla and it's like the the world is ending. Like like the the absurdity of the amount of coverage. Like it's okay. The, he's been around the company for how long? Like it's the guy can actually go on vacation. Years. Let, right, like let, let him do whatever yeah. he wants now. Like um you know, it's the idea like if Elon leaves Tesla, now we have a story. Now now it's a big deal. But for any other executive of any position, like they're allowed to do whatever they want. They people have come and gone. The company is still here. It's not a, it's not that big a deal. Um, companies have changed over all the time. Executives have come and gone at Google and Facebook and Yahoo and all the major telecom companies and entertainment companies and the Disney and everything. Like it's not that big a deal. But again, the spotlight. The little, uh, you know, uh, magnifying glass on the ant pile is always on Tesla. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, I'm, it's, it's not, folks, it's not that big a deal. It really is not. Everything is a gosh darn story. Um, well, Darren, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree slightly because JB is not quite like anybody else. There's been a lot of plug and play executives. I mean, a lot of talented people that have come mm -hmm. and gone, but they have fairly generic. Uh, talents, shall we say? JB's very specific. I mean, this guy is is core. I would say, you know, him and Franz uh, and Elon are are the three key guys. You know, in the last ten years that have made things happen. Well, Jerome too. Don't Jerome too. Okay, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can, we can kind of go down the chain. The the thing is, the reason I you know I, I when I say I'm depressed about it is because I just ha genuinely like the guy. I think he's such a, a, a an amazing contributor. Like, and he's very humble. That goes a long way with me. Here's a guy that says virtually nothing. You know, takes no credit himself. He's always talking about the team, and he's done so much for them. Um, but uh, what 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 mitigates that? And, and then coming back to your point to reinforce what you're saying is apparently this guy who's coming up to replace him, Drew, is extraordinarily talented. Hi. You know, he's been hand in hand working with um, with JB all these years. So you have to think there's been a huge brain transfer from him to Drew. So that gives me, you know, a lot of confidence, and and that sort of. Uh, makes the 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 point of the story is ridiculous. So yes, JB leaving 
you have to think because of the significance of his role, it's it should be talked about. But in the same articles, they should be saying, well, look, the guy coming up is super talented as well. So we shouldn't be that the concerned. Thing, like, the thing is that talent comes and goes and companies all across the world. Um, you rarely see a drop off because of that. I mean, there's there are some exceptions where maybe a new COO or CEO comes in and takes the company in a different direction. Things don't go well. And of course, now the board of directors says sayonara. Um, yep. When Steve Jobs and Apple were synonymous terms, when Steve Jobs was basically giving the company to Tim Cook, a lot of people questioned both publicly and privately, can the company survive? And Apple is one of the most profitable companies in the world. So, so the yes. Most. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's usually like between the top three. It kind well, of, yeah. you know, changes positions from time to time. But, but the point is, you know, that this changeover happens. This stuff is inevitable. Um, there will come a day, hopefully not in our lifetime, where Elon Musk is not at SpaceX. He's not at the boring company. Oh! <laughs> but, so but when that happens, you have a, a plan. You have a plan in place yeah, that's going to transfer a position where someone's going to come up up the ranks and actually things will be a seamless transition. That's just what it is. Um, so, yes, JB is a talented individual, but Tesla has tons of talented people in their architecture from the top down. Uh, even some people at our local stores and service centers are really talented people that work for Tesla. So yeah, JB has been one of the foundational uh, team members there, but it's life goes on, man. It's, it's, it's I like, so I'm, I'm with you on what he's meant to the company, but again, there's people behind him that are just as talented, if not more so they're gonna keep that, uh, keep that going. Fine Lab has aligned protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. FineLab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla. We were meant for each other. Uh, moving along here, we were actually going to spend a little bit of time here and talk about another article, uh, courtesy of our friends at Tesla Roddy, which is uh, talking about the autopilot stop sign traffic light recognition um, is actually operating in shadow mode, so to speak. But we kind of mentioned that at the top of the show. I'll put a link in the video description, and you guys can uh, jump in and take a look at that if you want later on. Again, the article doesn't make any mention, and Tesla didn't make any mention, as to what version of the firmware uh, that this is uh, currently operating in. So if anybody knows out there, uh, let us know. I'm going to jump on the forums after the thing and just see if there's any reports of this stuff. There are some people out there who like to dig into this stuff and figure things out. Um, so uh, if we find out, we'll uh, we'll try and report it as soon as we can. So they say it's operating in shadow mode, but they didn't say whether it's uh, it's here today or not. All right. Um, the next one, I think, uh, Eric, you want to talk about this one here because uh, courtesy of the Orlando Sentinel, uh, electric charging stations are coming to the Florida's Turnpike. Yes, absolutely. So we know about Dieselgate, uh, which essentially was the Volkswagen emissions uh, case uh, that was eventually settled. Uh, with uh, different countries, uh, the U.S. being one of those litigants uh, in the case. And um, the U.S. Uh, got a share of different monies. And Florida, it was actually getting a cut of that, has a $166 million share of the settlement uh, in total. Um, so that's about, mm, I, think, I think of that money, about 15% or about $25 million 
was designated earmarked, um, you know, uh, for electric vehicles infrastructure. So it's the Electrify to... America thing, right? Right, and, and that's part of it too. So they're they're all part of the uh, the process there. So what the state of Florida announced on Wednesday, so this is uh, yesterday from when we're taping the show, uh, Ron DeSantis, who's the governor of Florida, um, he decided to, uh, with his team, uh, make an announcement uh, saying that uh, they're going to basically electrify the entire turnpike. Now, the, <laughs> the turnpike itself now has two major rest stops where there are charging stations. One of them is in Fort Drum, uh, and the other one's in Turkey Lake. Uh, so those have Tesla charging stations where you can drive in, plug in your car, and then keep going. Now, the cool thing is the state of Florida has an agreement um, with uh, Tesla to provide free charging at those stations. So you're paying to drive the turnpike, you get free charging there. Um, so what they're going to do now is they're going to have uh, level three charging stations throughout the turnpike from the northernmost station, which is called, a, uh, and I'm, <laughs> I know this is funny, but it's uh, Okahumka. That's the northernmost <laughs> station. That's Oka, mile marker. Hunka, chunka. Yeah, Okahumka. Uh, that one's <laughs> at mile marker 299, uh, all the way down south to Snapper Creek, which is at mile marker 19, and that's basically in Miami-Dade County uh, towards the very end of the turnpike. So the Snapper Creek has... Uh, one level two charging station there. So that's currently there. Um, Okahumka is going to have uh, two level three charging stations from Duke Energy, which is um, one of the electric companies that provides power in Florida, the larger one being uh, Florida Power and Light, or FPNL, as some people call it. Uh, and they're also going to have additional Tesla fast chargers there. Um, and again, some of these stations that already have charging, like Turkey Lake, will get additional charging stations. Uh, so they currently have, at Turkey Lake, for example, they have six Tesla chargers there. They're going to now get additional Tesla charging stations and four level three EV stations from Duke Energy. So again, this is all throughout the turnpike. Uh, I think in total, there's going to be eight stations. Uh, they're going to have all electric vehicle charging. So you, whether you drive uh, a Tesla or any other kind of EV, you will be able to, on the turnpike, be able to charge your car right there on the highway, which is fantastic. So again, these are all the, these eight stations are all at, um, uh, uh, turnpike stops, rest areas. Uh, so you can get in, use the restroom, get a bite to eat, stretch your legs for a few minutes, uh, let your car charge for a bit, and then you can continue driving on your way. So this is really a big deal for Florida. Uh, a lot of folks that use these electric charging stations for Tesla have certainly wanted some more. Uh, and I think if you're going to central Florida or you're going to various spots throughout the state, uh, this is really a big deal for those of us here in Florida and for those who are coming into Florida, traveling down to uh, like where I live here in South Florida. Uh, it's great that you can hop on the chirp bike from Central Florida and be able to at least find a charging station somewhere on the way. Awesome. I'd like to see more stations like what they just did in Las Vegas and Kettleman City. You know, where you got the mm-hmm. the shade under the, uh, the solar panels, maybe a little barista, get some coffee, some snacks type of thing, other than, you know, the usual places. Uh, most of the chargers I visit and stuff, I mean, it's uh, it's a little bit of a walk. It's not that big of a mm-hmm. deal. But I like what Tesla did in those two locations. So mm-hmm. looking forward to uh, seeing some more of that stuff. So thank you for that report, Eric. Sure. Appreciate that. Um, right. So the next... Um, thing we're going to talk about. Ian, you had a change. You had a mobile service appointment with your Model 3, mm-hmm. and uh, it had to do with your charge port. Correct. And uh, I, I grabbed some of your pictures off your Twitter feed there, so th- thank you very much. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what happened? 
Yeah, so this past winter I had um, a couple of minor incidents with the uh, with the plug charging, uh, sorry, with the plug um, freezing in the charge port, as a number of people did, and it was largely eliminated by that software update we got, I think it was in December, uh, maybe late November, early December, I don't remember what, but um, there was two updates we got at the same time, right? One of them was it would, as soon as the car was finished charging, it would unlock the actuator pin. So while the plug and everything was still warm, it unlocks. So there's no chance of the plug being, you know, locked in there. Because what happens is that little actuator pin that comes in from the bottom, it's like a little piston and it comes up and it grabs. Locking pawl. It, it's a locking pawl, exactly, is the right term for it, to, to lock the plug on the car so you can't unplug it. So as soon as the car was finished charging, whoop, that retracts and now you can uh, go ahead. But um, I was still having some issues on and off when I'm using the J1775, the SAE adapter, to use a standard... Um, to use a standard uh, EV charger like we had at work previously, or still do, and it would intermittently lock my adapter in place. And I've driven a home a couple of times with the little charge port door flapping in the wind, oh, no. like a seagull wing, yeah, as it's trying to close and eventually gives up and just goes limp. And then it, when I finally got home, you know, I'd go in there and there's an emergency cable you can pull yeah. and you can finally release it. But even that, you know, has been a little bit problematic. So um, when the tech was uh, in installing my rear spoiler a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned this to him. He says, oh, well, we, sh we should get you the updated um, charge port. And I was like, oh, I know they'd been working on one, but uh, it's out. So there's actually been three versions of this. There's the original ones that have been in the car for the first year, year and a half of production. They then created what's called a version two, uh, which had a more robust seal on it. But apparently, I think it was a rubber seal. And with the type of lubricant that they were using, what I was explained to me was they would still have some problems with the seal expanding, depending on temperature and weather conditions, whatever. So it wasn't ideal. And the third generation one is is apparently the, the one to have. And that's what I had installed. And if you look at the picture, what you'll see is uh, interesting about it. The, the large blow up of the... Um, the actual charge port actuator itself, you'll see in the bottom left-hand corner, there's sort of an orangey colored little I've got rectangle. The picture here, yeah. That's a drain. So there's oh. actually a hole at the bottom of it. It's got a little that, what you see that orangey color is actually a little sponge. It okay. acts as a filter, so nothing can get in there, but it allows water to drain out the bottom of the unit. And that was the key problem on the original design was there was no drain for the, um, for the actuator, so water could build up in there, but it had nowhere to go. Yeah, because the charge port on the Model 3 is more angled up. Yeah. Like on the S and the X, it's, it's flat, right? right? I've never had any issues with sticking. But, uh, That's it. Yeah, so the water can, can infiltrate, and it, if it runs down the uh, the pin, down the pawl, it'll eventually pile up in there. And that's what was happening to mine. The actual actuator motor would freeze, and a lot of people had that same issue. So if you've ever had any issues with that, you know, get in touch with Tesla Service and request this new unit. It's the third revision unit, and that will take care of all of this. It's got apparently a, a silicone-type seal. It's The tech was telling me they're amazing. Like, well, you will no longer have any problems at all with this actuator. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you for that report. We always like to hear about improvements. I mean, that's kind of what Tesla does, right? They improve yep. parts as they go. They don't wait for another model year. If you have a problem, they just come out and do it. All right. Well, uh, we've come to the part on the podcast where we like to answer viewer and listener questions. As always, uh, we ask for uh, questions on Twitter the day of or sometimes the day before we put out a Google form. Um, just before so we get to that, do we, do we want to talk about the inverters? Oh, yes, very quickly. Yes, please yeah, do. I will. Um, go, go ahead. So, no, just because we touched on it last week, and um, there's been a lot of talk. People last little while have wanted to know, if you have a regular dual-motor car, can you do a software update to get the config for a performance Model 3 and achieve the same performance? 
And I've always thought that no, it's highly unlikely that would be possible. The inverters are supposed to be different. Elon tweeted out originally when the car was announced that yes, it has a special silicon carbide inverter, one of many things that differentiate it. So no one's ever confirmed that. And and I've asked techs, all sorts of people. No one's been able to to even. Tell I got me an email from Tesla this week. I emailed them yeah. on it specifically, and they did confirm it does yeah. have a different inverter. Exactly. Well, in Inside EVs I had published an article on this, and Tesla came back to them and said, yes, 100%, it is a unique inverter, so you cannot upgrade a dual-motor car. Um, you'd have to have those inverters, and even then, I don't know if they're going to sell them to you, and would you be able to get the software? There's a whole big to-do about it. So um, there you go. Uh, case closed, myth busted. It is a different inverter. That's the deal. Okay, well, getting back to what we were going to do before, and that's to answer viewer and listener questions. First question comes, well, none other than our good friend Jay Pace, who we just met this past weekend. Uh, he, uh, his question is, do you think uh, Tesla will ever build convertible versions of the Model S and the Model 3? If not, is there any technical reason why they couldn't be on Tesla's penchant for reducing complexity in their production process? Do you think it's just demand-based? Anything is possible. Right now, if you want a convertible, you got to plunk down some major money for a Roadster. Um, I don't think there's any technical issues when they can't, when they can't do that. I think it's just a matter of priorities, engineering priorities, uh, demand. Um, so I think right now for the short term, um, you want a convertible, it's going to be the Roadster. Unless, I mean, Elon has confirmed finally again for the umpteenth time there's not going to be any updates on the interior on the S and the X now which I find very depressing, but that's just a story for another day. Um, so, yeah. Any thoughts, guys? Or I, I, To me, it really comes down to, is it's, it, are the cars any safer? Or do you, do you, do you sacrifice integrity of the, the structure of the vehicle? To well, obviously not with the Roadster. If they're going to build... I mean, the Roadster, no. I mean, what I mean, but it, it's, it's still... I mean, look, the Roadster could be a beast of a car that we haven't seen yet. Um, carbon fiber. I, <laughs> I don't know. I think if there was a way to do it, they would have done it already. Um, I think part of it is aerodynamics. I mean, we know the Model 3 is the most efficient car they've designed. Um, it's also the safest car they've designed. Is going convertible in any of those models going to change that? I would think it does. I would think the vehicles would not be as strong. Uh, I mean, the initial roof tests of the Model S were like, if you took five Model S's oh, yeah. and you stack it on the roof of a Model S, only then do you kind of start going, K -k -k -k. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, a convertible top, you can't do that. So, um, and I know these cars are hard to roll over, but we, we, we know what happens. There was the accident just that reported uh, earlier this week where there was a car that fell 40 feet. Um, the, the driver had a seizure. Oh, it was a kid's playground, yeah. Right. Yeah. So there was, it was a vacant playground and the kids were not there. So thankfully, the, the driver of that car walked away, but it was a medical emergency that led to car to basically plummeting 40 feet. Um, and he, he you know, thanked Elon and credited Tesla for, for the strength of that car. Uh, for saving his life, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, to me, I just immediately revert back, revert back to: is this going to be as safe a vehicle? Uh, and I just, I don't think it would be. Okay. All right. Next question comes from Tim. He says regarding driver profiles. Page forty of the manual says to see what settings are associated with a driver profile. Touch the driver profile icon on top of the touchscreen, then touch see what's saved. The pop-up window lists all the settings that are saved to driver profiles. However, I don't see see what saved option. Does that option even exist? Is there some other place I'm supposed to be looking? That's a really good question. You guys have any thoughts on that? I've never seen that personally myself. I've never seen it. Um, the only thing I know is when you touch your name, you can see other profiles. You simply go into your profile setting, uh, and then you can see what's there. 
Um, so I don't know. At first, when I read the question, I thought he meant like, if if you touch the driver profile, like at what point do you save the stuff? That's when you make a change: steering wheel, mirrors, whatever. Mm -hmm. It'll pop down and ask you to save. But obviously, that's not what he's asking here. I mean, go ahead. No, I was going to say, we're saying then touch see what's saved. I've never seen that message. Have you guys? No, no, never seen it. That's the missing element to me. Mm, well, sorry, Tim. Um, don't know what the answer is to that one. I've never seen it myself too. So maybe it's a, a, a future or a feature that was removed or not implemented yet. Um, who knows? So we'll you know what I would say? That. I would say, hey, Tim, point that out to Tesla. Let their support team know. Maybe it's something that is archived and is not uh, present in the vehicle software. And maybe they'd want to know that, hey, that's in there and they can make the edits themselves and update it. So if we don't know the answer, there may not be an answer. But if Tesla support knows, then they can certainly tell you. But if it's wrong, then they'll make the change and you can get credit. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Our next question comes from John. He says, if you were not planning to ever join the robo taxi fleet, would you still upgrade to FSD? The only advantage would be the new chip, correct? Um, I don't find that NOA is reliable in my busy SoCal area. Um, first of all, I have no intentions of putting my car in the robo taxi fleet. Yeah, neither do I. Um, the advantage of paying for FSD is, yes, you do get the new computer, provided your car needs the upgrade. Cars that are currently in production don't need the upgrade. They already come with the computer. Um, now, as far as NOA, uh, well, uh, NOA, Navigate on Autopilot, which is essentially FSD, which is a second part um, for city streets and stuff, uh, that's a different matter altogether. I think... Whether you see an advantage to uh, to FSD or not, I think, and this is something that I've been encountering lately um, in discussions with various people, is that FSD is fast becoming much like just um, in, in um, enhanced autopilot. If your car doesn't have it, your resale value is just not going to be there. It's almost tantamount to part of the resale value of the car. So if you are thinking about possibly changing cars in the near future... You know, one can make an argument that that's that will help your resale value. How much? Who knows? But I do know uh, from conversations, as I said, with multiple people, um, that one of the first questions people um, ask when you're selling a used car: Does it have autopilot? And if it doesn't, most people walk away. So it's that it's it's that important to people. So going forward, I think FSD is going to fall into that bucket as I, soon as it becomes don't. real, though not right now. I just. I don't see it that way. I really don't. I don't. You don't? I think, so here's the thing of this way. Say you're house hunting, okay? Um, which I know in Canada, this is not, uh, maybe not as commonplace. I don't know. Uh, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but um, do you guys have pools in people's backyards in Canada? Of course. Above ground pools, right? Because if the ground freezes, bad. Um, We're not I, I, no, 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 no. We have both. No, because I, no, I just know in, in a lot of we the We don't houses, live in igloos, Eric. Yeah. No, but a yeah. lot of the homes in New England don't have below ground pools because the ground freezes and that could actually yeah. crack the pool. And the point being is that if a house has a pool, that the value of the house is higher, okay? Because yeah. um, it's, like it's, it's an appreciating asset. So say you have a house. And you go, hey, we're going to maybe 10 years down the road, we want to be able to put the house in the market. Well, how can we increase the value of the house? Well, there's always renovations and whatnot. But one of the things that a lot of Floridians do is that let's go get a pool. The problem is you're spending all that capital up front with zero guarantee you're going to recoup any of that money down the road. Zero guarantee. Um, so it is a calculated risk to do that. To me, full, and bathrooms. To me full self-driving is the exact same thing. 
there is zero guarantee that when you have that added into the car, it's going to in any way affect the value of your vehicle. And I'll tell you why. One of it is regulatory approval. Because let's say, for example, I actually get approval in Georgia, okay? But here in Florida, a neighboring state, it's not allowed. Let's just say. Because it's not, because honestly, this is going to be a state-by-state regulatory thing. So if it's approved in Georgia and not in Florida, even if I have it, my car will have a greater resale value in Georgia, where I don't live, versus having it here in Florida, where I do. So that's the, that's the first thing. The second thing is some people may not be able to afford, and we know that FSE is going to continue going higher and higher and mm. higher as time goes on. It's going to get to the point where a lot of folks who are looking to get into the market for EVs are going to go, I can't afford to get this car and get autopilot and get full self-driving. So, so it's, if you can get it, fine. I, for one, don't want to get it because I already have a $60,000 car. I'm not going to add on another $7,000 for full self-driving that I can't use for some period of time and don't know when I will be able to use it. So for the meanwhile, I'm out of that money up front that I could use for a thousand other things for something that we do not yet know when will actually be usable uh, across this country. So if I wanted to take a road trip to Canada, for example, from Florida, there may be half the country where I can't even use FSD to begin with, which makes the value of FSD depreciated for the time that I actually have it. So that's that's some of my concerns initially. Five years from now, different conversation. But today, eh. Well, that's what I said at the end of my little bit. No, I know. But it, but today. It, it, yeah, but I mean, again, but that's the thing, though, like for for to put to the point of this question, you know, would you get FSD? My answer is no, because I have zero idea if if FSD was already a thing and it was already legalized across, let's say, just North America between Canada, the US and Mexico, then maybe, yeah, you can make an argument that you should get it right now. I can't make an argument in favor of it. I just can't. No, and, and, I, I, and I think I think it's great. And it's it's feature dependent, uh, which Elon said that they're hoping to have most of those features rolled out by the end of the year. But I'm also grandfathered in with certain features of EAP that FSD now has. That's so true. I don't need to get FSD. So it just depends exactly. also what car you have. Okay. All good points. Yeah. All right. We got to move on here. Next question comes from Jeff. He says, is the steering wheel, is the steering column of the Model 3 wired for a heated steering wheel? Would an aftermarket heated wheel be a simple install or would it require some major wire work? Now, first of all, I am not aware that the Model 3 has a, steer, a heated steering wheel. Again, I haven't taken one out apart, so I don't really know. Um, he's asking, um, you know, short of somebody putting a cover on the wheel that might be heated, you plug in a cigarette lighter, uh, it would be a major, major undertaking to implement it into the car, um, especially if you want something on screen to be able to turn it on and off. I mean, obviously, unless you're a hacker and you have root access to the car, you're not and uh, you're not adding any features to the operating system to to be able to enable something like that, especially if it's not exposed and Tesla hasn't even implemented it. Now, there's lots of hackers out there who have done all kinds of things to the car, but yeah, um, until we see. Any evidence otherwise, I don't think it's possible at this point. I don't think it is. I mean, it's got half the wiring of the Model S. The, you know, the Model S had that sub-zero package. Uh, I just, I, I don't see the Model 3 being capable of doing it. Uh, no, the, I think the, it, the expensive part of the system would be the wiring to feed it. And also, there's basically, there's like that ring connector on mm -hmm. the back of the wheel That's that has true. a certain number of tracks. And that would be by far the highest current draw item. Everything else, you know, is yeah. microscopic, basically, for the... Mm -hmm. uh, for the uh, the switches yeah, it's, it's not so. to preclude that they can't do it in the future because no. you know the cars oh, do evolve over right. time and tesla has been known to add and change and delete features as they go what? um so keep an eye if, if that's something that's important to you well i mean in the future who knows what tesla will do 
All right, next question comes from uh, Dion. He says, do you think Tesla can bring out an update, can, um, that will allow the car to come to a complete stop when we let off the accelerator like a Nissan Leaf? Uh, do you think Tesla not allowing unlimited supercharging with the older model cars will make it harder to trade in the car at a non-Tesla dealership? Well, that's two questions. So the first question is, <laughs> can Tesla do it? Yes, of course they can. Um, Part number one, I'll, I'll give you a condition on that. I think it can only be done on the dual motor cars because you need an AC induction motor to be able to, uh, to oh, regen yeah, to zero. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think the partial permanent magnet motor uh, does that. That's the reason the, we, the regen gets so weak on the cars as you get down below 10 miles an hour. So probably could, on a dual motor, but no, I don't think on a rear-wheel drive. Could Tesla increase the regen aggressivity on the car? Sure. I would well, like in to track that. mode, my car, you should, I mean, you never drove mine in track mode. It no, 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 no. Like I drove it home the other night, but not yeah. in track mode. Well, it, it regen, you go from 0.2 Gs maximum capability to 0.3 Gs. That's a 50% increase in regen. You drop oh. the pedal, man, it's like, woo, yeah, your head's going mm. towards the windshield there. It's not oh, like nice. braking. Why didn't you tell me that? What? You didn't tell me that. Wait. I would have totally did that. Oh, okay. Well, next time. It makes Something me want a car even more now. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, what he's talking about is the um, uh, the one pedal driving mode, which is yeah. very similar to what the i3 does too. I yeah. mean, once you get used to it, it's actually quite nice. Now, mm -hmm. on the Nissan Leaf, I know that they use a blended mode, so it's part regen and it's part brakes as well. So, all right. So he was asking his second question. We'll indulge Dion here. We'll answer the second question. <laughs> Do you think Tesla not allowing unlimited supercharging with older model cars will make it harder to trade in the car at a non-Tesla dealership? No. Uh, no, not really. It's just one of those things. I mean, the cost is fairly low, all things considered, especially now, and I've been able to verify this, that if you get referrals, the free supercharging that you get is applicable to any car that you have in your Tesla account, whether it exists there today or not. So if you sell a car and you buy a new one and it doesn't come with free supercharging or it never did, you get the free supercharging on the car. So get out there and spread some Tesla word and get some referrals. That's the way to get some free supercharging. Well, also, uh, news recently that they basically killed their free supercharging with older uh, cars. Inven so inventory. Inventory. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yes. And that was the thing, too. So if, if they're already doing it to their own inventory cars, I'm less concerned that this is going to be an issue moving forward. Because, um, I mean, eventually I it just become the norm and people just be used to it. Right. I mean, like, it's not like sales at car dealerships are down because you don't get a free tank of gas with your car. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not it's not that big a deal. And considering the cost of charging to be precipitously lower than the cost of gasoline, especially when in places like Canada, you're paying by the liter, not by the gallon. Um, Thank God I, I don't I don't really think it's going to hurt their sales in any way. It's It was a nice benefit. Uh, it, it was a good sales incentive. It was a, it was a perk. It's an incentive, yeah, right? And it, it doesn't but, preclude them doing it again. But that, that part of that, though, too, is if you listen to the uh, to the investor caller read the letter, um, that a significant amount of the yeah. uh, profit loss or their losses that they took was writing off. Well, not writing off, but doing that massive mm -hmm. uh, price reduction on in the existing inventory. They had to clear out a lot of those cars, yeah. so that took a major hit on them too, because they wanted to clear out, you know, to make room for all the new Raven vehicles that are out now. So not only that. The quote-unquote demand problem. There isn't one. <laughs> no, there's no demand problem. So, so if they're, you know, if they're, if their numbers are as high as they are, record numbers for Q2 uh, in 2019. Uh, yeah, there's, there's no problem if free supercharging is not a thing. Okay. Uh, next question. We got three more here. So uh, Kim writes in. She says, "I've been seeing online that we can order the Model 3 Performance with 18-inch arrow wheels and non-performance brake pads." 
brakes. Uh, is this option available in Canada and what a price? Um, so I asked Tesla about this, and as it turns out, Tesla made a small batch of these performance cars that have been decontented. And um, that's why it's off menu now, and you can't even order it anymore. So it was a one-time deal. Not to say that they can't do it in the future, but it was a small batch. It was never available in Canada. It was just down in the U.S. So as far as I understand, they've, they were snapped up just like that. Mm. So that's why you can't see it. Funny, yeah. um, funny you mentioned that. My my buddy Mike Triffin, who just bought his uh, three-rear-wheel drive, um, oh, I guess about a month, month and a half ago, uh, was down at the dealership and asked them specifically, or he might have called them, my apologies. But in any case, mm-hmm. the Montreal store seemed under the impression that you could still get one. Uh, and I had never seen it anywhere because in the U.S., what had happened was for a brief period of time, when you went in, right after they did the price drop, you could see there was a fine print thing. Yes. I think it was on the wheel page where you saw the specification of the wheel. And it was like a little fine print thing saying that you could, you know, change out the wheels for the 18 inch. And then, you know, we all went around in circles trying to figure out, well, what the hell does that mean to the rest of the hardware of the car? But uh, the salesman at Montreal confirmed what you just said, Ted. It was basically, it, it reverts back to like a base performance three, as we understood it originally. It's basically a dual motor car with performance drivetrain. So the only thing it has beyond um, the inverter. regular dual motor, yeah, it's got the, the hot inverters, you know, and it's unlocked to give. I'm, ac- I'm actually looking at the Tesla website in the US and there's no way to order that decontented car. It's not available anymore. No, the fine print's gone, right? Yeah, it's gone. It's That's completely it. gone. Well, here, no proof. There you go. Nowhere to be seen. There's a little American flag there. See it? Uh, can't see it. Anyways, yeah, so nowhere to be seen, unfortunately. So it looks like it was a short-term thing, maybe um, just a little perk and stuff, but unfortunately uh, can't order it anymore. Um, there were more than just the wheels. There was, you know, the, the brakes. Uh, track mode was not there anymore, so there's quite a bit of stuff that was decontented um, on that car. So, yeah, it was short-term. It was short-lived. All right, moving on. A next question comes from Chris. He says, uh, did any of you with the Model 3 notice a backup camera change after the last update? Seems to show a larger field of view, but it's more washed out. Now, he doesn't mention what software he's running. Um, I should mention that the latest update, which is 2019.24.4, is in wide release now. Um, That gives you the new sketchpad, which is kind of fun. And uh, Chatamo support now on the Model 3. So for those of you who are looking on going off the beaten path, you finally got it. It's too bad we didn't have it last week when he was I here. Know. He out. I know. Yes. So unfortunately, Chris doesn't mention what software. Oh, by the way, folks, if you ever uh, write in with questions, um, I would suggest if you're asking for firmware-related questions, make sure you mention to us what firmware yep. you're on so we know what, what track you're on there. Um I have seen a bunch of Twitter reports, and on the forum, of course, a lot of people are mentioning that the camera uh, colors have definitely changed. I think uh, Michael Teslatunity's mentioned that as well. Um, have you guys seen any differences? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Uh, so I got 20, I got 24.4, I want to say it was yesterday or Tuesday. It's in wide release, so most of it went out in the last two or three Yeah, months. I want to I say it was either Tuesday or Wednesday when I got it. Um, and I drove the car, uh, like I, I looked at it again more thoroughly this morning. The field of view is not significantly larger. It's it's certainly discernible, but it's not significant. Um, and there is more of a natural hue as far as a very bright, bright look at the camera. Um, I actually thoroughly enjoy it because uh, it's more of uh, what your eyes would see versus sort of like a, a, a camera effect to yeah. make it look a lot brighter, um, which actually makes the in-car <laughs> uh, look at the screen. You're not squinting as much going, whew. That's a that's a bright camera, so um, so it's 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 been reported. Some people see like a, a bluish hue or a yellowish tint to it, depending upon uh, how your car is in the light. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it doesn't doesn't phase me. It doesn't bother me. I think it's uh, it's noticeable. 
but uh, I think it's a change for the better. Uh, these software updates are amazing. You remember how bad the backup camera image was on the Model 3 when it first came out? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, they made huge improvements. So I'm glad to see that. Uh, my only concern with the Model 3 is being horizontal screen. It would be nice to have some kind of split screen view when you put it in reverse so you could get at least some of the maps. Some people like to drive with the camera up. I mean, it's more possible on the S or the X with the vertical screen and stuff. But um, um, plus the other fact too, it'd be nice to be able to get the side cameras to pop up when you put uh, yes. you know, put your blinkers on or you do that you know, any love. kind of collision warning. That would be really nice. Um, Okay, last question of the evening comes from Serge. He says, being that many people did the Tesla stretch, that's a real thing, uh, to be able to afford the uh, long-range Model 3 last year, but it couldn't afford the additional uh, $5,000 US or $6,600 Canadian for autopilot, do you think Tesla will ever offer a low-cost basic autopilot for us, similar to FSD deal for EAP customers in March? Um, I'm going to say anything is possible with Tesla. I think they've been saying that eventually, Elon did say on Twitter that they would eventually make um, a subscription service for FSD where you could do a monthly fee, but that would probably preclude you having to put the car into the robo-taxi fleet, so to speak. So right now, I don't see it happening right now um, because, uh, you know, it's it's about money and doing... Yeah, I don't know how to answer this. I think it's going to be possible in the future, but right now I don't see them doing it. It's anything not a priority. Right? Yeah, well, anything is possible. You're absolutely right. But this is a slightly different question because we've been so focused on what's going to happen to the price of FSD, right? That's the big ticket uh, item. That's what everybody mm-hmm. gets excited about. But in Selge's case, this is like he doesn't even have basic autopilot, you know, which is now included in the car. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. so could they ever offer it again? It's like, you know, I think it's 4000 after the... Um, if you if you have a car with zero autopilot now and you just want basic autopilot, I think it's four thousand Canadian. So I assume it's around three and change US. Um, the question would be, would there ever be a, a fire sale price on that? So you never know with Tesla, right? It's it's like <laughs> not without upsetting a lot of people. Again. It's never going to happen in the next month. Look what happens. It's like, hey, I mean, they didn't get it last year. You know, I was say Tesla changes prices and stuff as often as we change socks, um, yep. and I sometimes change my socks twice a day. So, so it is, I mean, I'm a runner. So, but the, the thing too, with all of this is, and, and I want to say this to the audience, uh, at large, we, we get a lot of great questions that deal with the hypotheticals that all we can really do at best is speculate based on Tesla's history. And oftentimes their history is indicative of what's going to happen down the road. Uh, for example, will price of blank car change? Probably. Yes. Uh, will price of this feature change? Yes. Uh, will new features roll out for these cars? Probably. Um, you know, so all these things are going to change. We, we, we say this almost on a weekly basis, it seems like. We should probably just call the show uh, the Tesla Owners Online Changes Inevitable podcast. Um, <laughs> even sometimes our guests on the show change. Uh-huh. So, so, yeah. So, we, we, we value the questions. We're glad we're getting them. I'm sure there are other listeners who uh, have the same thoughts that some of you do out there. Uh, but just know that a lot of times we're we're merely speculating uh, because we have as much information as you, the public, do, which is, oh, that's right, zero. <laughs> <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> yeah. But, I, but again, they're good thought experiments to see what could happen. Um, but I think I think once we're I think Tesla's so focused on why semi truck right now and the roadster to some degree mm-hmm. getting those you know really into mass production over the coming years that these little things, uh, prices, software updates, 
um, battery technology, the wiring conversation we talked about a little while ago. Those are, I, I think, important projects, but they're side projects. They don't they don't take as much precedence as everything else. Um, you know, ideally, they're trying to figure out how can we maximize our profits and earnings, lower our capex, so we're able to uh, make that more value, uh, reduce our debt to our vendors and what have you, and ideally just make sure that the company is in good footing. Which again, a year ago, it was precarious. Today, they're doing great. Uh, so as long as long as that trend continues, the things that we're clamming for. Oh, which by the way, I wanted to remind people: uh, if you're not on Twitter and you do are accessing the Tesla Owners Online forum, uh, there is an ongoing thread. If you have recommendations for features you want to see in your Tesla vehicles, uh, go onto the forum. Uh, submit your responses there. We're going to aggregate what's in that thread and on a quarterly basis, submit it to Tesla. Uh, so hopefully that their design team, their engineers, blah, 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 uh, can essentially look at those recommendations and see if anything is possible. Uh, our friend Bonnie Norman is also doing her own thread on Twitter. So you can submit the same ideas to both lists. There's no reason why you can't do that. Uh, but just know that if you're on Twitter or if you're just on the forum, uh, you can submit your ideas of things that you want to see. So sometimes you ask us, hey, is this a thing that Tesla could do? One of the ways of making sure that happens is by submitting that very idea into those one of those two lists, if not both. And that way, Tesla can uh, get uh, at least be shared uh, that list uh, with them. Yeah, you'll be able to find that under the software and firmware subforum. It's tagged. It's right at the top. So put your submissions in there. I spoke to Bonnie today about it. Uh, we're going to aggregate all of our information. I'll pass it along to her. She's going to aggregate it along. So just a little bit more exposure. She's been doing her thing on Twitter, but we know not everybody's on Twitter. We have people in the forum and stuff. So people on the podcast. So so if you have a feature request, because with Tesla, there's no way to submit your feature requests. Only if you catch Elon on Twitter, which is you know kind of few and far between. So we have a facility. Uh, Bonnie has a facility. So we're going to put our brains together. And um, Bonnie has all the contacts. Um, so she's going to uh, take all that stuff and send it in. So, yes. I'll put a link down in the video description, the podcast description. If you don't feel like Googling it, I'll put it down in there. Oh, one last thing before we go. Please do. Happy birthday to Trevor's mom. Yes, yes. My mommy's Yay. birthday today. And I know that she watches the videos. I talked to her today. Um, Dad's taking her out for dinner. So it's all good. So anyways, yeah. Happy birthday, Mom. Love you. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Shepherd's Mom. Yep. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Since, Eric, you're on the screen, why don't you take point? Tell us where people can find you if they want to have a chit-chat with you. All right, folks. Uh, if you're watching this uh, video on YouTube, you can see my tag here in the corner. That is uh, EC Fix on Twitter. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast on your favorite audio format, hey, Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, unsubscribe, resubscribe. You know, help the channel out. <laughs> have over which way you can. Don't uh, unsubscribe, uh, please. Comment on iTunes. All that good stuff uh, are all there. Anyway, but again, you can find me on Twitter at the handle ECFIX. That is E-C-F-I-X. So thanks so much. Excellent. How about you, Eric? Uh, Ian, where can people uh, chit-chat with you? Uh, Twitter, the handle is at Ian Pavelko, fairly obvious. Uh, at the Tesla Owners Online Forum, you can find me. Uh, the handle is Mad Hungarian. if you want to hit me up for any questions or discussion, what have you. And then finally, if you are in need of some uh, Tesla wear, you can go to Teespring, T-E-Spring, all one word, dot com, and look up the Mad, Hiva uh, Mad Hungarian Evolve Wear Shop. It's a little online store, and you can buy a variety of different uh, Tesla shirt designs. And the proceeds go to a good cause to support uh, LAVEC, Association de Véhicules Electriques de Québec, the um, Electromobility Canada, and Plug-in America in the U.S. Excellent. 
And, well, you can find me on Twitter. The handle is Model3Owners, and uh, obviously on the forum, my handle is TrevP, so please go and check that out, teslaownersonline.com. I want to say a big th- uh, thank you to our sponsors, the guys at FNX, Dulaban Insurance, and Fine Lance Ceramic Coatings. Those guys are awesome. And lastly, to our Patreon supporters, if you'd like to support the show, just check it out, patreon.com forward slash Model3OwnersClub. We support... Um, Every, any little bit you can you can give us keeps the show going and stuff. So um, um, I'm I'm the recipient of a chocolate chip cookie. So I'm now going to sign off and eat of this. Of course you are. <laughs> yep. thanks, All right, folks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, thanks for uh, listening and watching, and we'll catch you on the next one. See you guys. Good night. Bonsoir tout le monde. Goodbye, world.